Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> so, quick intro today. That's our focus. Uh, our topic is scary. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Like, we're tying this There's all a link in. To Halloween. This, yeah. 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 Oh my God. We are so seasonal. We are. And we did it all on purpose. Yeah. Thanks to a recommendation from someone yes. on Twitter. So, thank you, Andy, aka Big Mike. <laughs> yeah, for that suggestion. For suggestion for so we're topic. tackling fear uh, from uh, news and notes. We'll both be in Orlando in early November. Uh, no- for November fourth through the ninth, TechWell Conference, Agile Dev and DevOps. Be there, be square. If you want to be there, we can help you be there. Can we help you be there? We can save you four hundred dollars off registration. Four hundred buckaroos, smackaroos, smackaroos, the Django's right up, right off the top. <laughs> So, if you're working with your boss to try and get some funding to go see Bob and Josh live, along with some other fantastic speakers at TechWell in Orlando, use the promo code METACAST18. This is my farewell as as the uh, program chair. We have an outstanding speaker mix, although it's very volatile. I think like like 10 people canceled and we're we're replacing a lot of speakers. Uh, So, there's been a lot of... So, it's getting better. Uh, right? yeah. th- yes, it is. Getting, you are just glass half full all the I, time. You're mischievous. So yes, so uh, so come on down. I'd love to see you there. And it's only you got to get off your butt because yeah. it's only a few weeks away. Right. Uh, so that's exciting. Again, promo code Meta eighteen saves you four hundred dollars. A couple of other quick announcements. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I host a live stream on Twitch. On Twitch. On Twitch. Does it have a name? Or is it just talk with Josh? It's our Agile Office Hours hashtag for what? Agile Office for Hours for your new company, for my new company, Kazi. 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 All right. Yeah. So come on there, ask questions. It's very similar to the formula Bob and well, I have used in conference you've, sessions. I've been right? on as a Bob's guest. Bob's been a guest. Eric Hannon's been a guest. And you've had guests on. We've yeah. had fantastic interaction in the chat. So the thing that has made me the most happy is that. The input and support from the other members in the stream helping each other has yeah. been amazing and fantastic. There was one time where I ended the stream and people were still chatting back and forth. How cool is that? And that that's that warmed that's my point. heart. That's yeah. exactly what I wanted to do. So check us out uh, Tuesday mornings. Hey, and everyone, that's that's freaking free. It's free. It's free and it's valuable. And it's Josh Anderson. Thursday afternoons and sometimes it's Bob Galen. Yeah, sometimes, but you know what? I overpower Josh. So in word count, I I hate to tell you metacasters, but I usually win in the word count battle. In case Josh, you didn't notice. And Josh has trouble getting word in edgewise. But on the stream, you get 110% Josh Anderson. It's exciting. It's like the full Monty of Josh Anderson. You and the full Monty. <laughs> I know. Jeez. <laughs> Imagine that. That's uh, worth the price of admission. Yeah, even Especially if he charged, but even if he charged, it's worth the price of admission. <laughs> so be there. Yep. What, any other announcements? I it's, just it's closing in like us, events. Yeah. Events are clo- we yeah. have no events. Uh, the new year is coming up. So send us ideas for Medicast. Yep. Uh, ideas, uh, topics. We do take them. If you look this back, is an example. Uh, this is an example. We take them seriously. We address them. Uh, we get good feedback from folks uh, that you know that we're really helping them with that. So we'd love that uh, and pass the word. Absolutely. We want our subscribers increasing. We want our burn down chart burning up and through the roof.
Welcome to Medicast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And we have a whole new We have a new equipment, an audio setup, and I think it's, we we were testing it. We're excited. It sounds better, right? It feels better. It feels better. It sounds better. Let's not talk about our feelings. It looks better. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't have looked. We can actually travel with this thing now. That's, you know, it is pretty small. Yeah, our our previous mixer was Was, a monster. Was was a monster. Well, and we didn't use all the features. We didn't know how to use, I mean, it it wasn't, I don't know if we were effectively using it. It was sort of a... More of a band mixer or something like yeah. that, wasn't it? So yeah. speaking of monsters, okay, our topic. Oh, fear, fear, fear. Do you have a quote or something? You what is it? Say? The only. I think this is a Winston Churchill. You have to do it. It's Winston. The only thing we have to fear <laughs> is fear itself. <laughs> Metacasters, I have no idea what that voice was, where it came from. <laughs> Uh, but that was my best Winston Churchill. Because you've heard him talk a lot? No, not really. Okay. Not really. So this came in from a listener via Twitter, and he was asking us to discuss fear. So we dug into it a little bit more, and it really boiled down from his perspective, uh, psychological safety and willingness for people to do their, what I call their civic duty within an agile team of speaking up. And how do you, as an agile coach, create that safe place, that safe environment? How do you encourage people to poke their head up and say the uncomfortable thing and know they're not going to get lambasted? And also, how do you help them say it in a way that's not going to create fear in the people that are receiving that feedback? So one of the things maybe we can we can sort around, you know, like psychological safety, we can talk about that for a little while. We can talk about situational fear, like people speaking up in a retro, for example, mm-hmm. or scrum masters. Right. So there's some situational examples that might be interesting to dive into. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I'm wondering if we could start this way. Um, I get around coaching, so I'm not an infinitely you know experienced coach or anything like that, but I get around a reasonable amount of time. Um I think I wrote, I always say this, I wrote a blog post. Right. But uh, it was a blog post that wasn't directly about fear, but it was me venting about people having this tendency to want me. So very often in my classes, oh yeah, people want me, they like see me and say, Bob, you should talk to our leaders. You need to give them this bad news. So they, mm-hmm. they want me to be their surrogate mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. And I get tired of that. And I, and I hear that, I hear that from leaders. So it's so it's like a universal law. So teams say it. I I, I was at a client, mm-hmm. so I I've heard it just yesterday and the day before, um, and um, I've heard scrum masters say it. I mean, I've heard so teams, uh, specific you know specific roles like product owners and scrum masters. Mm-hmm. I've heard leaders say it. They want there's this seems to be this universal tendency that people want someone else to have the hard conversations for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to kick that, you know, why do you think, you know, so have you seen that? And what, yeah. and what do you think the drivers of it? Because I, I want to get into like, you know, how do we set the space for fear or, or safety? Mm-hmm. But, but does no one have any like courage in the world? I don't know what's going on, Josh. I think it's courage. Courage is definitely a challenge, but I think, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that so many people don't know how to, effectively have that conversation. Do you really think it's that? 
I think it plays a large role. Okay. So, so what so. I've found is that when I've run into people, people that have worked for me or people that I've worked with or people that have coached, they don't even know how to have that conversation. It's just that first leap is so infinitely scary for them that it overcomes everything and they just won't do it. Is that what it so for me, I, I'm I, not saying that's 100% it, but, but, I, but a big factor. But I've been able to get people over that hump with help by and giving them tools and, and a framework and, and here's how you do it. Then they at least feel like, okay, I've got a plan because so many people go in without a plan. <laughs> then it can spiral out of control because emotions and passion and enthusiasm and fear and all those things come up and it unwinds itself pretty quickly. Okay. I mean, I, again, I'm not saying that's 100% of the problem. Yes, they just need the guts to go do it. So but I think where, if you but that's where can I embolden go. them. But that's where I go. Yeah. To me, it's a guts thing, but you're making me think, too, that it's... So for me, whether it's stupidity... So my journey... So early on in my journey, I didn't have the guts, right? Mm-hmm. It was... I had fear, et cetera. But somewhere along the way... When I became a leader, pretty early on, not right away, I started realizing that I had a responsibility to yeah. have these hard conversations. Uh, and then I started having them. Now, they didn't all work out. But yeah. Like, like there was some brutal, I mean, I've gotten fired. Yeah. Because I had, not right then, but it, you know, yeah. you know, you piss someone off. It got off, the wheel rolling. It got the wheel rolling. And then, oh, Bob's not a team player. Bob's not sucking it up. Bob's not behaving. So we'll eventually reorg him out or something like that. So he's not so, but the genesis of that was often one of these hard conversations. Uh, it's also done me a good service in mm-hmm. some companies. It's helped me grow that people are like, Oh, you're a street shooter. You're a straight shooter. Yeah. You may Bob's going to be a truth teller. You know, he's not going to deal with the emperor has no clothes, but I think in parallel with that, I was learning how to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I had a long glide path. So I can. Yeah. See, so nowadays I'm like, just suck it up and grab them, have the conversation. And it's a courage problem, but I can see what you're talking yeah, so about. So 100% it is a courage problem. And I was in a similar role to you <clears throat> growing up in the, the industry. There were talks I know I should have had but I didn't when I was just a developer, right? Like I should have had discussions, but I was afraid. Then I got into a leadership role and I couldn't escape it. Like it's my job to have this conversation. Right. If I don't have that painful, difficult discussion, I'm not doing my job. I'm not helping my team. In fact, I'm hurting my team by letting this go on. So I basically had no choice. Whether I was courageous or not, that was kind of out the window. So my courage just got chucked out the window. It's like, Josh, you have to do this. I don't care how scared you are. And it wasn't that I became courageous all of a sudden. It wasn't like I I became this new person that was like, yes, I'm going to go talk to the man and tell them they're wrong. It was you have no choice or else you you aren't doing your job and just that weight is so what forced me through that. that. So I so I it's not like my fear would go away. Yeah. Right? It's what I'm resonating with what you just said. I mean, it's not so I was still afraid. Mm-hmm. I still needed a paycheck. Yeah. I mean, I I've never been infinitely wealthy. So one of the core drivers for this fear is can I lose my job? Yeah. And I have a family at home. I'm a, I'm a care, you know, I'm a caregiver to my family mm-hmm. and it'll it, it'll impact me that way. So I would always, it wasn't like courage overrode fear. Fear was always there. Mm-hmm. But I think you put your finger on it. The The thing that overwhelmed that 
was it's my job. Yeah. Right. I have a responsibility. Either get the hell out of the job. Right. Or if I'm in the job, I, I have to take the good with the, you know, I'm old fashioned that way. I have to take the good with the bad and sort of suck it up mm-hmm. and figure out how to move forward. Right. Uh, so maybe that. And I went along a similar path to you, right? Like I just, okay, I got to go have this conversation. I really have no freaking clue what I'm doing. Exactly. Well, I'm going to go at least just be honest. And yeah. I felt like if I can just present myself in an honest fashion and start trying to understand the other side, then maybe things will work out. Right. And they did. And to your point, you know, I had some, some swings and misses, but I also had some victories. And then I started to learn and grow with those. Well, I don't think it's just the, I think there's cultural implications. So again, I'm not saying it's not us We're, we are a part of it and having those conversations, but I think it's also like the environment. So in the eighties, I, I can go back to the eighties. I worked mm-hmm. in the late seventies and the eighties. Back then, it was hierarchical command and control. So you didn't buck the system. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm, I mean? The culture then, the the organizational culture was, if you were leading people, you were you know you needed to align with everything and just sort of support your boss. Right. And I don't argue with me. Don't disagree with me. I know, and you don't. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, if I was aggravated with my boss, then I paid it. I paid it forward down. Right. Right. So, and then, and then, if the the person reported to me, was trickle it, down. It economics. just was. It was trickle down frustration, and then trickle down payback. But it was so back then. If you were doing what we're talking about. It, the odds that it was going to have an unfortunate outcome was higher. Mm-hmm. But if you fast forward to today, and again, there's exceptions and there's traditional organizations, cultures today, yeah. but I think it's more well-received today, like employee engagement. There's there's more focus yeah. on people. There's more focus on growth. And I think it goes beyond that. Like I'm raising three kids right now, yep. and I think about how I lead them. Ah, this is a good point. And yeah. do I... Do I squash them and I yeah. just like shut your mouth and do what dad said? <laughs> like there's times where those words have come out of my mouth. Right. Like I, I get you don't want to do it. I don't care. Do it because dad said so. Right. So there's I think culturally there's things that we do as parents that grow that within our kids. And then they have to figure out how to get out from that. Like, oh, wait a minute. I can actually I can actually question authority. And it because it because it's presented as you don't question authority, right? You, you know your adults what's, are the ones that know. What's so. funny is my daughter. I have uh, my my daughter Rhiannon has. Uh, I have two granddaughters, uh, three year old, three and a half, and approaching one. Yeah, and so this is with the three and a half year old. But I see her and Ben, her husband. I see them being parents, and the style is incredibly different mm-hmm. from my. My style growing up, mm-hmm. or my style of parenting back then, was yeah. command and control. They're more of a situational influence. Talk about mm-hmm. right. Talk. How does it make you feel? And it dry. And and I observe it, and it's like it's sort of amazing to me. I'm like, where one? Where did she get that? Because she didn't clearly get that from me, <laughs> right? I was more the you know yeah. you know sort of do it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're they're having conversations. They are creating. They're trying to create shared outcomes with a three year old, for God's sakes, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you do that with your. Yeah, kids. I mean, those are things I try and do with my kids. Is that after they get in trouble, I try and sit down and have that conversation and say, "Okay, what did we learn?" Exactly. Right. That that's the and that's what I've done. I think we've done a good job with our kids is teaching them 
that mistakes need to be a learning opportunity. So, so the the landscape has changed. Yeah. The culture, millennials. You use the right. generational terminology, but I think that's that's changed it as well to the positive. Yeah, right. That, but it's still it's yeah. There's still fear, right? Yeah, there's centuries of that. Yeah, absolutely. That we've got to overcome. That we've got to figure out. And I actually had a coworker, someone that you and I both worked with, that I would tell her stories about stuff that was going on at home, and she's like, Josh, why don't you? talk to us like that. Like, I think it would be great if you coached us the way you coach your, your kids. And I said, well, you're different, right? They're kids. Right. They're like shoe humans. Yes, you know, exactly. you no, are true. adults. It's, I expect you to be ha or re humans. Exactly. There's different styles and different approaches <laughs> I'm going to take. Exactly. Like I'm not going to, I, if I need to treat you like my kids, then you're not going to be here. We're, we are generally in trouble, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like I, that's, that's not how we build a successful organization. Exactly. You know? So it's just like, Oh gosh. So I think, I, I think we covered that's that sort of the general, like the space is there's generational dynamics. Um, there's, there's courage. There's doing your job. I think the one is looking at it, the overcoming factor. So there's skill, mm-hmm. but there's do your job. Yeah. Or be responsible for whatever your role is. If you're a scrum master, for example, so it's not just managers. Your, your roles have, it's not just sunny days in the roles. I mean, people love the sunny day stuff, but do the messy. You're yeah. signing up for the messy stuff. You and I are like that way, that we, we don't shy away from the messy crap, right? We'll, we'll face the messy. We don't like the messy crap. I do not like it. Mentally deranged. Exactly. But we'll yeah. face it and try to sort of slog through it and try to create a sunny day on the mm-hmm. other side of it or something. Why don't we talk about some situational stuff like maybe start with Scrum Masters, uh, Scrum Master Fear. Mm-hmm. So uh, what does that look like? Like what are the directions of that? I'm thinking there's an I, upward direction, but yes. there might also be a teamward direction. Right. I, so those are the two areas I want to So team, there's going to be – a grumpy day. There's going to be a grumpy teammate. There's going to be a grumpy something that you're just, you're on their case all the time. Right. Because something's, they, they aren't on board yet. And you're going to keep saying things over and over and over again. And that person's going to get frustrated and they complain to you. They're going to play to the boss. They're going to just complain in a million different directions. And you can't allow that to wear you down. You've got to keep saying the thing that needs to be said even when you know that person doesn't want to hear it. Yep. And that, again, that's your job. Like if you weren't saying that, who, who else is, who else is going to do it? Your teammates or their, their teammates should do it as well, but you need to be leading the charge and setting the example of, okay, that was terribly uncomfortable, but I've got to say this. Right. And you've got to, it's the same thing. Put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants and do your job. I actually have gotten, I, I'm not always, I haven't been in the scrum master role for a long, for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, sort of, I'm sort of like a coach and sometimes I'll sit with a team and I'll simulate a scrum master, like to train, yeah. to show someone. So it, it's sort of a semi role play. But I remember at Deutsche Bank, I, I was a scrum master of teams there. And I remember we had a team that was having a team, a UX team that had part of the team in, in North Carolina and part of the team in U, the UK. And they hated each other. And I mean, I walked into this mm-hmm. and there was disrespect, et cetera. And they were undermining each other. Like yeah. the UK guys felt like they had the best designs. The North Carolina guys had, they had the best designs, guys and gals. And, and it was like, 
and it was really disrupting the team. And people were using these designs, right? So there were other front-end development teams that were doing some work mm -hmm. with that stuff, and it was really disruptive. So in a retro, I basically just, as a Scrum Master, I just threw that observation on the table. I had the hard conversation. It's not even a conversation. It was a hard observation. And I, I tried to describe it in all its hairy glory, yeah. uh, not embellishing it, but just honestly, you know, like this is what I'm seeing. Uh, you, we all should be, you know, what do we feel about this? Right. I'm embarrassed, but what, how do you all feel? And just putting that out there, um, the team within a couple of sprints solved that, mm -hmm. right? They, they faced it, but they had been dealing with that for six months. So it's sort of the, you know, it, it's somehow getting over the fear. It's just having, it's just that one conversation. It's like, and one what's step. weird is that when you have that, I've had instances where you have that and some time later somebody comes up and thanks you no you get thanks and it's just it's sort of so i guess what i'm trying to say as a scrum master but i think in general is this phenomenon of it's like a bubble once you once someone steps up to it and pokes at it yeah it bursts mm -hmm. very often have you seen it's yeah. it's sort of like it's really weird yeah like i was sitting back and i, I like a few sprints later i'm like holy crap this this huge thing sort of went away. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was hard work. There were conversations. There was agreements, you know, but but just surfacing it, like getting over the fear. I think there's this phenomenon sometimes of there's the fear of something. But if we if anyone just attacks the something, it sort of moves into a positive space. Yeah. Right. Um, what other protect the team? So fear of telling truth to the team. Like holding the team, they underestimate this quality. Yeah, that's issues. so. I was doing a story writing workshop a, probably a month or two ago, and the team built a backlog and prioritized the backlog in like fifteen minutes. And you know, I I just sat back and it's like it was clear that they were just trying to get through it. They were just trying to get done. So I felt at that point it was my like moral obligation to say like that's not good enough. That's not how you actually appropriately dedicate time and energy and focus to building a good backlog. Because I was there to help them understand what a good backlog was and what a good backlog wasn't. And they right. had created that wasn't version. So it was one of those situations where as a scrum master, as an agile coach, you have to hold that team to a higher standard. You have to tell them this is not good enough. And if we keep doing things like this, here's what's going to happen. We're going to be doing the same things you've been complaining about for the past six years right. or however long. Right. And right. this is why this is that thing you do that has prevented you from becoming the team that you want to become. So you have to be willing to have that challenging conversation, which, again, is that balloon poke that once you get people to stop, look and listen, you'll be amazed at how a group of smart people, once they start to put some time and energy to it, will quickly fix those problems. The reason I'm disengaged, Josh is looking at me, Medicasters, and I'm. Well, it's because he's not talking, so. No, 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 but it's, I'm, I'm looking at, so there's this coach in New York, Dana Pilievo, mm -hmm. uh, and she just went out on her own, and she had, uh, she does games, mm -hmm. and she had like Legos and chocolate, like a DevOps game, was something she's run right. through for a few years, and she's just now working on this fear in the workplace game and it's a card deck and this yeah. is like a, an MVP. She just sent it. I registered to get email. So That's on cool. Monday it's purchasable. It's not purchasable yet. And she has this card deck and it's, the, it's called fear in the workplace. 
And will you stop it or will you spread it? And mm-hmm. some of her fears, she has symptoms of fear. And I, that's what I was really looking at. So like gossip and rumors, uh, brilliant jerks, uh, depletion of emotional energy, feeling of helplessness, blaming and finger pointing. Uh, these are symptoms. Disengagement, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what else does she have here? Erosion of faith in the organization, conflict avoidance, risk avoidance, like say, like just doing the safe work. Uh, other, th- you know, fear, fear of millennials. So, so, the, so actually, there's fear. No, but put on your management hat. So we were, to, we were very often like we were talking about scrum masters, and maybe there's team fears. But it's let's talk about uh, there could be fear at a leadership level mm-hmm. in going agile. Yeah. So I'll I'll actually be honest. I, it's not that I don't think I fear them, but I but I have a lack of understanding of generations. Mm-hmm. Like I do not connect. I've got books. I'm trying to work on my understanding. And and millennials are not the most recent. What is it? There's a there's another. Gener- I'm sure that yeah. There's another. There's one another group yeah. behind the millennials. And so I'm, I'm sort of afraid of my lack of understanding of them. And uh, I used to think of myself as a leader of being a good communicator. Mm-hmm. I'm still not a bad communicator, but I will communicate like in, in uh, cartoons or in movies, you know, or stories, etc. And those, they get disconnected from the, the generation, right? They, they, so here, here's my cliff notes on millennials. Okay. Here's how you get over it. The why really, really, really matters. matters. To them. And when you focus on that, everything's the same. So, so there's training, not just in communication style, but there's sort of information. So attacking your fears mm-hmm. is maybe something I'm, I'm sensing. Yeah, because I, I, I kind of I had one foot in that world and one foot not because I was just like right. Gen X, Gen Y or whatever. Right. And then millennials kind of crept in, but I, but I felt like I kind of thought like a millennial before a millennial was a thing because just the why mattered. Right. And so I've been relatively successful connecting with them because the why mattered to me. So it was important to me that I connected them to the why, because I felt like they would do better if they understood the why. So that's the, that's been the shortcut success for me is just focused a ton on the why. And it's not the big why it's like all the little whys. Right. I mean, I think one of the things with leaders so we're not empathetic sometimes to leaders like what, like in agile transformations, you and I encounter mm-hmm. a lot of organizations. So generational fear of how do I communicate to this? Or now I have to do cross-functional. So I just was teaching some testers and I was at a conference and this director of QA was afraid of her role change. She's like, my boss is now converting everyone there is no qa leadership anymore mm-hmm. now i like that approach well you did this with it i did you did this at the dude right? yeah i did it to monica so oh, to monica monica was brought in as a director of qa and, and i you, just and you flipped it yep and we had directors of engineering we had multiple but but imagine how she felt about yeah. that initially i mean and i don't want this to turn into a monica no discussion but, but yeah 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 i get it i mean she must have been afraid of that it's like holy crap yeah I took a job and now suddenly someone's going to flip me. So, so that's, so leadership flips like that, mm-hmm. or I managed with data and status reports and I've always been the mouthpiece. And now suddenly I'm not going to be talking about status. The teams are going to be radiating status. Mm-hmm. So what the hell do I do? Yeah. Right. What's my value proposition? So fear, fear of my value proposition. So I, I think it's not just, it's I, one of the neat things about this game. I think it's surfacing it. 
So you could run this with it. I, I can envision, I'm excited about her doing this because I could see doing this at a team level. Yeah. And then I could see doing it at a management level of that team. Uh, so like the teams and then the surrounding sort of infrastructure, the people around the team. Right. And then looking at the fears and looking at common fears and then looking at like uncommon fears. Yeah, that would be good. To get empathy. You know, because I, I don't think teams are very empathetic. They're leader, that, you know, they're pointy-headed Dilbert managers. They're not humans. Mm-hmm. And and what are they for? They get big bucks, right? What do they have to be afraid of? They're tough, but it's not true at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of vulnerability, I think, there as well. I don't know if we've taken it off track, but this game, it was interesting that we have this topic, and I just got this email from her this morning. You are you interested in getting more on this? Yeah, I do. that's something that I so I try I attack this problem with teams because I recognize and understand the fear that so many people have built up in having the difficult conversations. And from my perspective, those difficult conversations, just like the conversations around a story, those are often difficult. So I try and aggressively find ways to coach all of my team members into getting over that fear of being ready, willing, and able to have the challenging conversation. So if you size something as a 13 and I size it as a three, I don't just be like, oh yeah, Bob says a 13. I'm cool with it. Right. I No, I, I want right. that person right. to step up and say, Bob, there's no way it's a 13. And here's why we already have automated that. We've got this, we got this. And then hopefully you say, oh dang, you're right. Okay, cool. Or you say, okay, I gotcha, but here's this other thing that yep. is always hard and has taken us weeks before. And so then you have that healthy dialogue, that conversation that leads to real agile success. Because I, that's the thing is that you can get the ceremonies in place. You can have the backlogs. You can do all that. But if you don't have a group of team focused and willing and able to talk, it's not going to matter. Well, and honestly, I mean, this is the fear thing. It's not just talk. It's talk. It, I sometimes talk about it as being blinders. We all filter in our communication. Mm-hmm. You, you communicate with your wife differently than you communicate to me mm-hmm. differently with your dad. You probably, uh, with your teams, mm-hmm. your best friend, the, the guy that you knew from childhood that you went through football with. So you, there's probably someone that your filter is the least possible. I don't know who it is, right? But there's probably yeah. someone where your buffer, your filter of like your truth. Yeah, Brian Addis, that's you. Right. That's so. That's the most. Yeah. That's the most Josh that gets through. And then there's probably something like with me growing up. It was my priest. I grew mm. up Catholic, and my biggest filter was because he represented God. And, yeah. and if I said something wrong, he was going to make me say Hail Marys and yeah. Our Fathers, right? Or, 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 and so he would he would he would penalize me. So I didn't tell him anything, right? I would control. Yeah, I'm I'm kidding around. But it's sort of how do we get we. So the the fear is reduced the more we have safety to mm-hmm. have those conversations. The more you can show the real people talk about bringing your real self. That notion of bring your whole self to work. Right. right? You've heard that. I think I think of that as being an, an instance of that. Is I come without a lot of filters. Now again, I'm not giving them the full bob. Right. Right. No one could handle. The full, you know this. I've seen partial Bob, and it's, it's, scary. it's like the full Monty, right? You don't, want, <laughs> you don't want to get the full Bob, no, right? So I, I need to save the universe from the full Bob, but but there's value in bringing as much of the Bob right. into play as possible. It creates trust. It creates transparency. 
uh, people start believing you, right? They, they, they can get a sense of, uh, like you're a straight shooter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I can go to Bob with a situation. He's not going to, he's not going to BS me. He's going to, you know, he's going to give me honest. He'll challenge me when it's appropriate. Hopefully he gives me appreciation, et cetera. So I think, I think there's sort of, we want to increase that. I think in teams, to your point, it's like, how can we remove the buffering as much yeah. as possible? And we do that to safety. So who was it, Brian? So you, you feel safe. You, you know, I can tell Brian anything mm-hmm. and it'll stay there. Mm-hmm. Right. And he cares about, so what are aspects of that? He cares about me. We have a relationship, et cetera. What can we do? What can we do? What are some of, I'm trying to. So to me, I think as a leader, it's recognizing that everybody that you want to operate in that mode has some historical baggage that's preventing them from being willing to do that right out of the gate. So you have to continue to build and show and lead this open, safe environment that it's okay and you're not going to get in trouble. Well, that's and expose them, right? right? I was thinking of transparency. That's why I like the, again, I'm just looking at these, this game that she put together and I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't fix it, but so it's not a, a bandaid. It's a, it exposes it. Right. And And then you have to try and solve it. So the thing I would do whenever anybody would challenge me in public, I celebrated the crap out of that person. So Brandon Miller was the guy at the dude. He was one of the more junior people that yep. we had, and he would always say the uncomfortable things. Yeah. And I would, uh, there, we'd be in a room of 60, 70 people. I would stop everything, and I would say, Brandon, thank you. That is fantastic. That's what we need. So modeling yeah. that stuff, and, and it's that sort of thing. Or when someone, you know, not only thanking the person, but if he says something really uncomfortable, embracing the, un- the discomfort, mm-hmm. right? So if I say to you, you know, Josh, your head is too big. So if Brandon would get up in a meeting, you're right. In fact, it's eight and three quarters inches round, right? (laughs) And I can't find hats for it, right? Do you have any suggestions? I I mean, I'm... Why do you... Like, that hurts, Bob. What does it? That Like, that's so true. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you know what? So it's... it's, So I'm, I'm sort of extending what you said. It's like, acknowledge it, thank them, but also sort of yourself... Like help me solve my problem, mm-hmm. right? Help me. So I'm growing. So it's thank you for the feedback, but help me to grow and right. I'm receptive to growth because it's about like reducing this stuff. It's creating that safe environment. Right. And I'm all like, we're equal. And how do we create this safe? And environment? as a leader, you have the, the biggest ax to wield in creating that safe environment. If you set that, if you are continually operating, continually celebrating those difficult conversations, that will get you to the finish line faster than if somebody else does it because you are the people people are afraid of. Well, I'm going to read some of these cards and think and just let's flip it around what leadership can do. So fear of ridicule, fear of ridicule. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can set the tone that this is a no ridicule environment, right? Right. The, an information environment, a constructive criticism environment, a learning environment, but we're not ridiculing or fear of lack of transparency. Mm-hmm. We can be transparent. So we can, we can be the shining light. I think in many of these cases, disengagement, we can show that engaged as a leader. When we go into meetings, do you think people are watching us if oh, we're yeah. on our phone yeah. and we're disengaged from the meeting? Absolutely. Or do you think they're watching us if we're attentive, we're putting the devices aside so, so leadership, I think leaders are setting, I, I mean, I'm putting up, I'm agreeing with you. It, a lot of the burden falls to us in mm-hmm. creating that space for safety, uh, blaming and finger pointing, like don't blame. 
I think we set the tone that that's okay. Right. But then there's a side effect of that, right? That people are not, they're going to avoid that feeling of helplessness. Uh, like, like trying to help people all the time. Like we help each other, right? Et cetera. So I, I would agree with you. I think leaders, leaders play an incredible part. And it's not going to happen if you don't do it. Yeah. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen because See, people so are never going to. We have to, yeah. we're not a hundred percent accountable, but if we, let's say we're not trans. So let's say you we're, are 100% accountable if it doesn't happen. Yeah. You are not 100% accountable if it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be the thing that squashes it forever. Yeah, exactly. You will lead the charge in making it happen, yes. but you won't create it by yourself. Exactly. And and I, I agree with that. Yeah, you can single-handedly destroy it. Yeah. In like that. Just like Thanos. So that's just like what? Thanos. Is that like a, is that something you put into your grill and like, like light it? Thanos from the Avengers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did see that. The the rings, the rings, the five rings guy. Or the stones, yeah. Yeah. The stones, yeah. The stones, okay. The infinity stones and the gold. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Generational. That's generational, (laughs) but it's very relevant to some people, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) How do we wrap this thing up? Uh, I want to come back to center. So some aspects of, so so fear. What are, if we were, because you're good at this, tools techniques uh so leaders drive so that's what's, what's yeah, our so top the, five so pieces to me the take the takeaway is you can single-handedly destroy it so you leadership accountability create it right you can lead in the creation of it but, but you can quickly destroy it the leaders have to get ahead of the curve in this space uh that fear never goes away Okay, that's another one. So you and I both talked about how the fact that we job. didn't magically become more courageous. No. We just felt the weight of the responsibility of our role so do to they, go have do, that conversation. So do your job. Do your job. And, and Bill Belichick, for sports folks, right, the, the Patriots, mm-hmm. do your – that's that's part of their mantra. Right. And it's done them a service. So shut up. Don't worry about – do your job. Just do your job. We've talked about that in our uh, peanut butter and jelly yeah. football right. and agile talk of do your job. So do your job. Uh be as courageous as you can be, but but there's always fear. But do your job overcomes. And that. I think there's education that can be given that will help people. So the conversational stuff, right? Conversational stuff that you can empower them with. Crucial conversations has been a fantastic tool for me yep. to give people some sort of framework. Again, I always go back to when you're working with developers, developers like a framework. So I've used that book as a here's an uncomfortable conversation framework. So the thing you've taught me today. Is and it's because of my journey, I've sort of oh, I've learned beyond the conversations. So I've sort of I'm not focused on the training aspect, and I, I that's I need to focus more on the training aspect or respect. I need to. It plays a role. I, it plays a role. I need to respect yeah. the training aspect yeah. in this, and not just say something because you so didn't. Much. No one trained you, right? right. So you, so you just had to figure it out on your own. You're like, yeah, just yeah, go have exactly, the conversation. But, but not everyone's there. Yeah, and that's the same thing. So Absolutely. what I've used is I've used that training to accelerate people through the same learnings you and I had. Like you and I had the school of hard knocks approach, where no right. one taught us. We just had to figure it out. So what I've done is I've used those tools to try and accelerate people to get there faster than we did, right. and with few black eyes uh, the other thing i would add to that is if you're not up to it then get out of the so do your job or get out of your job mm-hmm. i don't know if you buy into that or not i do because you're you're directly making other people's jobs harder yeah so so again i'm not i'm not saying quit or i'm not saying get fired what i'm saying is do your job 
or get out of your job and get another job that you can do. Yeah, that you are more comfortable and confident and, in. And not just the skills in the doing of the courageous conversation. Yeah, you'd probably be happier. And and, and you've taught me, I, I, I need to de-emphasize the courage and the skill, right? It's not courage, because it's not, courage almost implies you ignore the fear. Yeah. It's 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 almost the discussion here is embrace the fear, yeah. right, and do your job right. And uh, you know, you and I both told stories about how that fear didn't go away. Yeah, we just had to yeah soldier through. <laughs> well, what else? Uh, what else is a wrap up for it? So we talk about skill setting. Uh, uh, I think we hit it. Yeah. Did we nail it? Yeah. I don't know if it's out of the park. What was the gentleman who? Did, can we can we name? Him? Um, you give me a second. It was via Twitter. Yeah, it was via Twitter. I feel like it was Mike, Michael, I think Michael, you said Mike, Mike. So big Mike, big Mike. So big Mike. <laughs> that's that's what we have. Uh, oh no, it's Andy. Oh, big Andy, aka Big Mike. <laughs> so Andy, you just got a nickname. And so Andy, it's Big Mike. <laughs> Andy, this one's for you, and hopefully it provided some value. And we would love some feedback if we inspired some nuance that we could explore in another Metacast. Yeah, let us know. So with that being said, I am not afraid to say. What are you not afraid to say? <laughs> from, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. <laughs> I'm Bob Gale. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.